0: Hi, Raphael Bender here, founder of Breathe Education, and you're listening to the Pilates Elephants podcast. There are many things that are awesome about the Pilates industry. However, many of the practices that we take for granted are out of date, illogical, or just plain pseudoscientific. These are the elephants in the room, and I'm here to talk about them openly and honestly, and with a couple of F-bombs thrown in for good measure. Pilates Elephants is about debunking the myths and giving you science-based tools to become a better, happier, and more fearless teacher who really fucking knows your stuff. Okay, I am here with Kylie monez Kylie, great to have you. Thank you.
1: Glad to be here.
0: And uh, we're going to talk about how to sell Pilates sessions, uh, but before we do that, Could you introduce yourself?
1: So I'm Kylie. Um, I have been at Breathe for 15 years now, so a little while. Uh, We started way back when we first opened the studio. So I started in a sales role back then, um, essentially selling yoga and Pilates to people. Um, That was fun. (laughs) Um, And I guess, you know, since then I've been – part of the team at Breathe as we've developed the education side of the business and continue to sell that and lead the enrolments team.
0: That was the last 15 years in a, in a not nutshell. nutshell. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, when uh, – I maybe if you're listening to this, you already know this, maybe not. I can't remember how much we've talked about it or how much you've taken on board, but uh, before Breathe Education was Breathe Education, it was Breathe Wellbeing, which is a Pilates and yoga studio in the central business district of Melbourne, Australia. And we opened, well, we, we started business in December 2006, and we opened, sort of officially opened in March 2007. And between December and March, we did our best to pre-sell a whole bunch of memberships and uh, to the studio, we had a, actually I wasn't the studio manager or CEO at that point, I was the sales manager and uh, we had a team of six gun salespeople um, and Kylie was, you know, one of those. Uh, your previous role, I think, was leading three fitness uh, Yeah, so I'd previously studios.
1: been in, in fitness and, uh, yeah, running running fitness businesses and obviously sales teams as part of that.
0: And um, yeah, we bombed abysmally. Um, couldn't sell, couldn't sell Pilates and yoga to save ourselves. <laughs> um, and it, because remember, this was this wasn't lack of skill in sales. This was 2000, early 2007, late 2006. Nobody knew what group reformer was. We were selling group reformer. It wasn't even a thing. This is way before any of that happened. Plus, we didn't even have a studio yet. We were just selling an empty sort of like construction site with no reformers or anything. <laughs> so.
1: We were selling
0: the dream. We were selling a dream, um, but we were selling a dream. No one really understood what the heck it was that we were selling. So, um, uh, And one by one, I had to let go of all of those other brilliant, brilliant salespeople. And uh, Kyla was the last one left because she was the best of the best. She was the last person I wanted to let go. Uh, And uh, 15 years later, here we are. Yep. (laughs) And we have figured out how to sell yoga and Pilates. (laughs) Um and, and yeah, it's not so, that complicated. <laughs> no, but it's a lot easier in today's climate than it was in two thousand and seven. Like, this is before the freaking iPhone, for God's you know, like nobody, <laughs> you know, like the this is before Facebook was massive. This is all like basically the way that you advertise and sell stuff today, in terms of just the media that you use and and how people find your stuff is completely different. You know, we were doing like paper lead boxes in the local cafes and. You know, and there
1: was a lot of uh, footpath uh, walking and talking to people and events and, you know, it's still fundamentally a lot of connection, but it was a lot of in-person connection. So you really only had your local geographical location to draw from. So it's, it's you know, it's a very different environment now.
0: Right. And, um, I mean, we had literally um, garbage bags full of paper you know slips with people's names and phone numbers and emails on them that they put in these lead boxes and uh to win you guys a prize just calling them morning till night uh touring people around the studio well studio construction site um you know just step over that bandsaw, saw, come into the Re- reformer studio well i know it just looks like a like empty room with no ceiling but believe me this is a reformer studio so um but it,
1: i think there's a lot of um skill and development that we've gained from those experiences. And whilst, yeah, they had their challenging moments, I think, you know, part of why it's now successful is actually because we got good at selling the dream and understanding the differences and understanding the process from cold calling people through to now with people that are actually engaging with your product and want the service that you provide. So, it it is a different environment.
0: Yeah, and I think um, you know selling fitness in general, you know, is uh, is a tough gig because uh, the whole reason you have to sell fitness is because people like people at some level know they need to do it, but it's like it's hard work, <laughs> so they don't
1: want to do it. Yeah, but, but, you know that's the thing in selling, isn't it? Getting someone to do something they don't want to do because they want the outcome,
0: right? Yeah, so let's let's get into it. Um, so, really, uh, you know, to set the to set the table on this, every if if you're in business, you you need to be able to sell, and I would I would argue pretty strongly that selling is the foundational skill of of being in business because every business is in the business of selling something, whether it's a product or a service. And uh, the number one most certain way to go out of business is not to sell enough of whatever it is that you sell at a high enough price <laughs> so that you can make a profit. <laughs> and uh, as they say, uh, more sales solves just about all problems. Um, so whatever the problem is in your business, more sales will probably solve it. Um, so yeah, so I think, I think uh, and if you think about marketing, like marketing is just sales done one to many. Um And I think even to a certain extent, coaching, you know, if you're coaching your clients to do the things they need to do in order to become what they want to become, like that's basically, it's not basically, it is selling. Selling. (laughs) Um, You're selling them behavior change. So yeah, selling really I think is, is a truly foundational skill of business and your business will never succeed beyond your ability to embrace, uh, selling. Um, and, uh, so, and I th- uh, I think, I don't think, I know because I've talked to a shitload of Pilates instructors and, and business owners that uh, selling is something that most Pilates business people, both Pilates instructors as well, find like pretty kind of either icky or uh, kind of mystifying or both. Um, and so I wanted to, the purpose of this conversation today is uh, for Kylie and myself to um help you, the listener, dear listener, um, get over some of your limiting beliefs about selling and uh start selling more. <laughs> because when you do that, you'll have happier, more successful clients and a happier, more successful business. So, um, yeah, Kylie, uh what do you see as the I mean, we were talking about this offline and um really there's two areas we said there's two areas that are Hold people back, and one is limiting beliefs, and the other is skills. Um, so, but let's talk about limiting beliefs first. And can you tell us why you think we need to start with limiting beliefs?
1: Well, I guess fundamentally, I think most instructors become Pilates instructors because they want to help people, and often there is a little bit of a disconnect between the good person that I am and I want to help people. And wrongly, people's perception of sales is often that it's deception or it's you're trying to scam someone out of something or you're trying to push a sale on them or sell them something that is not what they want. When in actual fact, you know, sales is a service, right? When when you're giving to people what they're coming to you seeking, you're just facilitating a pathway for them to be able to achieve the outcome that they want to achieve. And in order to do that, there needs to be an exchange of service and an exchange of, of value and dollars and for that service. So, you know, I think fundamentally most instructors need to just understand that in order to help people, they have to give them and sell them the service.
0: I think that is such a, a big mental shift. It's subtle, but it's, you know, sales, the, basically the shift is from sales is, you know, pushy or sales is icky or sales is somehow sort of objectionable to sales is service. And I love that because it's so true. Like you can't help someone with Pilates unless they buy Pilates, you know so selling selling them pilates is the first step in helping them if you don't sell them you don't you don't get to help them
1: but it's even in you know clients come to you because their back is sore and so what they come seeking is they want to move away from their pain and you know they know doing pilates is going to help them to do that and so they come to you because you're the pilates instructor and you can help them with their pain But in order for you to actually do that, you need to sell them the class or the session so that they can come and achieve the result. And in order for you to run the session, you need to buy your reformer and pay your instructors and have your electricity. So there has to be an exchange of dollars for them to be able to do that. And I think Mm -hmm. it's just people letting go of the the belief system around – I'm trying to push something on someone when in actual fact, particularly in this environment, and it's not always this way in sales, but in this environment it really is, people are coming to you as the instructor because they seek your services. It's no different than with a doctor. You don't ever expect to not pay your doctor, right? It's okay for doctors to make money, but doctors take an oath to help heal people. Right. And it's, but it seems perfectly reasonable to all consumers that you would not expect your doctor to be a doctor and not get paid to do so. But there is this mental disconnect for Pilates instructors.
0: I think, uh, I think a, a lot of instructors feel like they don't have a problem necessarily getting paid per se, although I think, you know, most, most Pilates instructors undervalue themselves. Um, but I, th- I think, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, sort of just hope that you know some magical prospect will walk into their studio and just pull out their credit card and go, "I want to buy a twenty pack." Um, and, and you know, <laughs> hand over the credit card. You know, but but that if they have to have a conversation with that person versus if that person instead of just walking in with their credit card out saying, "I want to buy a twenty pack," that person walks in and says, "Oh, can you tell me about what your classes are?" Right? They the the polite instructors feel a Sort of feel bad about steering the conversation towards, you know, that person buying a 20 pack.
1: So, why would they not, as a basic starting point, steer the conversation to amazing? What are you wanting to do class for?
0: Yeah. All right. All like, right. So, isn't right.
1: that, isn't yeah. that the how you help them?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I, I want to bookmark that and get back to that in a sec because that's about, you know, what's your product and, you know, are you really selling Pilates or are you selling something else? Um, uh, but I think so. All right. I mean, it feel I mean, it's hard hard for me to know. I wish we had the live audience here because it'd be great to get feedback from people on, uh, you know, what's going on for you as you're listening to this. Uh, but I guess you know this 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 kind of cultural cringe that we have in the Pilates world not you and me, obviously, but <laughs> the collective we. Um. uh You know. And by the way, when we were working at Breathe Well Being, you know. We couldn't sell it to bloody save our lives at the beginning. <laughs> um, but we got that business up to $2.4 million in, in revenue per year uh, with two studios. And, um, you know, so we, we figured out how to sell Pilates can and I, Naga.
1: Can I jump in there? Can I yeah? tell you why that is? And this is what I know now. We struggled to sell it back then because we didn't know what our product was. Yeah, yeah, we, were yeah. 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 we were selling a studio that didn't exist. We were selling… A product that people didn't understand, so therefore they didn't know they needed or yep. why they needed it. And we didn't necessarily have the experience back then to be able to know what that gives them. And yep. so we got good at that. And yes, then you can, you know, be successful in business when you can sell it. But fundamentally you gotta know what you're yeah, what
0: you're offering. Yeah. Um so how can we how can You know how how can we? Do you think there's more required? I guess is what I'm trying to ask about uh, to help people, you know, overcome this sort of cultural cringe around selling in Pilates. You know, can we can we just say, hey, look, you know. Sales is not icky. Sales is the first step. Sales is service. It's the first step in in serving that person, helping them. It's like they can't, you can't help them over their sore back if you don't sell them any sessions. <laughs> so it's like just get over it and sell them because that that's actually part of your job is to help them. And if you see they need Pilates, so I guess I guess you know conversation I was having recently um, with a Pilates uh, small, very small Pilates business owner was. Um, and, you know, she was struggling to recommend to somebody, you know, to a prospective client that they buy, you know, XYZ pass or whatever it was that she was selling. Um, And it was so weird to me because, I, you know, I said to her, so, right, imagine I'm your, you know, sister and I live in a different country or a different part of the country and I've rang you up and said, hey, look, my back's been killing me, you know, I'm feeling really stressed at work, I'm feeling stiff as, you know. I'm thinking about doing Pilates. I mean, what do you think? Do you recommend I do? Do you think do you think I should do some Pilates or not? Is that a bad idea? You know, like what would you say to that person? Right? Would you say, "Oh, look, no, I don't want to. I don't want to influence you. I don't want to bias you. You know, I want to. I don't want to push Pilates on I mean, you." You say, "No fucking a. You should You'd do tell. some Pilates. Yeah. <laughs> right? This is going
1: to help you. No
0: problems." Right. So, so if I'm your, if you would recommend it to your sister, right, and then I walk into your studio with my credit card out saying, you know. What, you know, I've got a sore back. Like yeah. why wouldn't you recommend it to me? Why yeah. wouldn't you help me out? Wouldn't you give me the same advice you'd give your sister?
1: Well, and and look, I think that's the thing is people need to feel authentic about what they do and they need to feel like they are they are doing and saying the right thing. And I think the first step as an instructor in in being able to get comfortable with selling, is to actually, you know, there's a saying in sales: you've got to get sold to sell, yeah. right? And you need to, you need to be sold on yourself. You need to understand your value as a practitioner, your value as an instructor. What do you give your clients? and why do they come to you right and when you know in your bones what you do and why you do it and you have you know you have this desire to help people and you know how to do that then there's really no barrier there because you're like well of course like your sister of course this is what you do of course this is how I help you you need to come three times a week. The best way for you to do that is on this option. Like that's right. just me helping you. Mm. You know, that's not a I don't know, I'm trying to sell you something or I'm trying to take your money or anything like that. That's me helping you. But you have to know what you do as a as an instructor and what you can really offer them. And I think that's the That's the first step in this equation for most instructors is to get comfortable with their skill. And if they're not comfortable with their skill, then level up, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Do the education
1: you need to, you know, be able to do the thing.
0: All right. And I think that's a grant cardonism. Is that where we got it from? You know, in order to sell, you've got to to be sold. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh, and I love that it's so. I think it's such a true, such a truth that. Uh, all right, so you know, number one, you know, before that person even walks in the door and inquires about your prices or whatever they ask you, it's like, well, do you actually believe that you can help people? Like, do you believe if I came to you and I said my back's sore, if I come and do you know sessions with you for a couple of months, like, will I be any better? It's like, do you actually believe you can help me? And if the answer is no, it's like well, first probably slap yourself upside the head because <laughs> you know if That's I do why? Pilates yeah. a couple of times every week with you, even if you're just an average Pilates teacher, right? just fucking moving is going to be really it's good going for to help, me, right? So even if your skills aren't, you know, tip top at this instant in, in history, it's like, yes, you can probably help, you know, the majority of people. But if you, you know, if with a little bit of self-reflection, you genuinely feel like, yeah, I'm not that confident. It's like, yeah, okay, go and get some more education. Hey, we did Pilates instructor training. You should come train with us. We'll teach you how to help anyone. But this is not an ad for breathe education. This is, this. you know, I don't think you actually need more education to help people like you can you can you can help people right now right more education might help you help people more effectively right but you can help people right now
1: yeah i'm going to respectfully disagree with you on that
0: okay <laughs> hit me, hit me. <laughs> for, the,
1: for the reason that the magic piece of that equation that i think you haven't taken into account and i i agree with you from the perspective of as an instructor, just get people moving and it will help them, right? The part of that equation that is missing for a lot of instructors is confidence. And Mm -hmm. that comes Mm -hmm. from education. That comes from knowledge and from really, truly understanding that you can help people. And to feel that, you need to be able to have the skill to be able to do that right? And yep. that's the part of the equation that if you're not sold on your skill, then skill up, right? Level yep. yourself up, go do education, go build the pathway for whatever it is you need to get comfortable with in your own ability so that then you can really genuinely with a high level of integrity feel like you can help someone. Yep. And then the selling is not even part of the conversation. Right. right, it's of course I can help you. This is how right. we do it.
0: Right, and if you've if you've got like, you know, a hundred client testimonial, like five star Google reviews saying, "Oh my fucking god," you know, working with Kylie is the best thing that ever happened to me. I can't believe I lived the first thirty years of my life without knowing Kylie. It's like unbelievable. I've sent my whole family to it. It's like if you've got a hundred reviews like that, it's like you. And then, you know, I walk in and say, hey, oh, you know, I've got a sore back. Do you think you can help me? you would be like, fucking a, I I can't.
1: <laughs> and if you feel that you can't, go and have conversations with those people that gave you reviews and yeah. really understand it, really understand what did you give them that they couldn't get elsewhere. How did you transform their life? How did that, you know, how did that evolve? Yeah. Because if you if you're not sold on your service – Use your community and the people that you teach to help you get sold on the detail of how you transformed, you know, their well-being, their health, their whatever Mm. it is they came to Mm. you for. How did you actually help them with that? And when you understand the detail, then you can start to just build in that. It just, it grows, right? It's like, it's one of those things that just builds and builds and builds and builds until then when the people walk in and they're like, oh, can you help me with this? And you're like, absolutely. Here's a hundred different ways we can do that. Mm. Like what works for you? You know, and then you have solutions, right? And that's, I mean, essentially, you know, going into kind of the sales stuff, there is a point in your sales cycle where you are, you know, understanding what their problem is. And then part of that sales cycle is showing them the solution, but. This, you need to know what the solution is and to know that you can actually provide it so that you can sell it to them. Because otherwise, then you feel inauthentic if you don't believe that yourself. Mm. And mm. that comes through. And that's where people aren't good at selling and they feel horrible about it because they feel inauthentic mm. in their skill. And it's a vicious circle.
0: Yeah, I, that is so that's so uh, good. I think the two things I want to draw out there or are- one, I just want to highlight what you said about uh just go and pump up your own tires. Like read a few of your testimonials. Go and, you know, call up the client that loves you and ask them what they love about you. Like, you know, just go and pump up your tires and get in a fucking great mindset before you have that conversation, you know, that sales conversation. Because you're when you are sold on the value of what you provide, it's like it's less I mean, you know, skill in sales is a thing, but conviction will beat skill every dive every way. time
1: every time and and you know mindset and approach is really part of that and it's it's knowing what you offer it's being really comfortable with what you offer and you know i would say even go into those conversations with you know it's it's not ego driven Right, it's okay to hear good things about yourself when you're do, doing good things in the world, and I think often people are like, "Oh, you know, I don't want people to talk about me, or I don't want to, I don't want to feel like they're pumping up my tires or they're, you know." But actually, it's incredibly humbling when you genu- genuinely want to help someone. It's incredibly humbling to hear when you have, right? Mm. Like that mm. in itself is game changer on how, you know, because what you get to do is you get to understand the skill and then you can replicate it with the next client and the next client and the next client. And that's where you build that momentum in how you help people because you actually understand what it means to them. And so you can do the thing again because you mm. know what it is.
0: Mm. The second thing I want to draw out there is what you said about feeling inauthentic. And I think that is, again, like you've hit the bullseye with that. Uh, and. I want to, I guess what, what occurs to me is that, uh, Perhaps a large part of that feeling inauthentic, like part of it, you know, is to do with imposter syndrome and people not having the confidence that they can in fact help people. It's like, okay, I look like I know what I'm doing here, but really I'm just faking it and one day someone's going to notice that I'm totally a fraud. <laughs> um, so yeah, so there's that. But we already talked about that. Go get educated, go pump up your tires, read your testimonials, talk to your favorite clients, etc. Um, have an extra cafe latte. Um, uh, I think the, the other, you know, another place in that feeling of inauthenticity can come from is because when people start to have a sales conversation, they actually become inauthentic, right? So if, if I think of sales as this kind of thing that you do to someone, you know, like, it's like, oh, and now we're having a sales conversation, so i put on my sales voice, you know, or whatever. Um, whereas, like, if it was just your sister walking in going, gee, my back fucking hurts, you know, what do you think I should do? It's like, what would you say to that person? Just just do that. Like, don't but be there, inauthentic.
1: But, but even in, you know, what you said there of the sales conversation is what you do to someone. You don't do anything yeah, to yeah. anyone. You actually have a connection with people. Yeah, like when yeah. you connect to people and you you ask authentically, what brings you here today? You know, what are you interested in doing? Do you have pain? Do you have – what are your desires? Like what do you want to get out of coming here fundamentally? How can I help you if I don't know why you're coming? And when you have an authentic conversation and you as a person open yourself up to those connections, then – It's not, it's not inauthentic. Like you actually genuinely, most instructors as a person do care, right? That's why they do what they do. That's why you do it. And, and to, when you care, you get to have a connection with a person and that's actually where you can, that's the pathway to easy selling, right? (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. if you're looking at it from a sales perspective, that's the easy selling because, you're actually just giving them the solution to the problem. This is how we do it. Does that work for you? Yes, it does. Amazing. Let's go. Right. Like mm. that's simple, and it doesn't have to be inauthentic because you're just connecting with person right. to person, human to human.
0: Right. It's yes. Yeah, so it's not a thing you do to someone. It's just no. it's just caring and and being in, genuinely interested in their in their story and their welfare and their problem and and what it is that they're seeking, and then seeing if there's if there's a way that you can help them and if they've walked into pilates like there probably is a way that you can help them
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely and even you know even the there's so much overlay with when you break down your sales you know like standard classic sales cycle as far as rapport building and stuff But rapport building is just connecting with people. So, even if you don't feel like, oh, I don't want to go through all of the steps of building rapport, finding, you know, like just connect with people, just talk to them, ask them the questions, Mm. ask them why they're there, listen to their answers, because their answers tell you what they want. Mm. And then all you do is you present them what they want, like. That's the simplicity of it. It doesn't have to be complicated.
0: Mm. Um, I, there's something I want to just uh, talk about here, which is how do you know when you're having a sales conversation? So, like, we talked about the scenario where, okay, I'm, I'm sitting in my Pilates studio in between clients and, you know, Kylie walks in the front door. She's looking like she's never been here before. She's, you know, walks up and I say, how can I help you? And you Kylie says oh I'm just wondering about your prices or whatever. So like, all right. So now we're having a sales conversation. That's pretty obvious, right? But what if um I don't know, I post something on social media and Kylie DM or Kylie comments on that post and says, "Oh, I've always wanted to try Pilates." You know? Or or that looks like fun. Um or or what if I'm at a party and I meet Kylie, you know, we bump into each other and Kylie's like, "What do you do for a living?" I'm like, "I'm a Pilates instructor." And Kylie's like, "Oh, you know, I can see her, you know, She gets kind of interested in that, you know, it's like they're all sales conversations potentially, right? But I think a lot of people don't recognize those.
1: Well, I would also go so far as to say when you met your lovely wife and you introduced yourself, that's the biggest sales conversation of all, (laughs) right? Like connection with people, whether it's partners, friends, like just in life they're all sales conversations yeah. and this is the thing like do you need to frame it as a sales conversation no it's just a connection yeah. a sales conversation is just a connection and at the end of that you have an exchange of something which in this scenario is a product and service in a relationship It's a different level of exchange, but it's still an exchange and the structure Mm. of the relationship is exactly the same. And you are still, you know, you go out and you put your best foot forward of essentially you're selling yourself to that person Mm. as to why I'm a good person, why you should like me, why you should go out with me, whatever, right? And that's a sales conversation, talking to your kids to get them in the car, because you're running late to something, that's a sales conversation. They're all sales conversations, but they're actually just conversations. Yeah, And that's the, I think if people can just reframe it to, actually, it's not a sales conversation. I'm just connecting with people. I'm just being me and I want to help you.
0: All right. That's so it. if you're listening out there and you, uh, when someone when someone says the word, the term "gay marriage," and you cringe a little bit, and you think, "Well, no, it's just marriage, right?" Well, this is the same as that, right? It's not a sales conversation; it's just a conversation. Conversation. <laughs> right. Um, all right. And uh, uh, like, I
1: think that's fundamentally that's the that's the cincher there to go reframe it that it's not a sales conversation. It's yep. a how do I help them conversation. It's an opportunity to help someone. And it's an opportunity to connect and to support someone because they're coming to you. And when you right. do that, it's easy.
0: Right. And I really want to frame this a bit, a bit, uh, bit deeper though. Um, so that when we have those, you know, basically those opportunities that arise that maybe people don't recognize you know, where somebody expresses interest or shares that they have a problem that you could help them with, but they don't actually ask you, you know, how much would it cost me to solve this problem? They just, you know, they don't say, hey, I've got a sore back, would you help me with that and how much would it cost? They say, you know, they just say, gee, my back's been killing me, you know, or, you know, or they like one of your posts on social media or they, you know, send you a DM, you know, or whatever it is, right? But they're not explicitly saying like, or how much, right? How do you how do you recognise that as a potential opportunity to help somebody, and and how do you turn that? You know, I don't want to get like deep into sales technique, but how do you how do you recognise that as an opportunity to help somebody, and and you know, in a really simple way, how do you progress the conversation?
1: So I would say the starting point of that is. of all conversations are sales conversations, whether they have liked your post, said they have a sore back, said hi, because every conversation is an opportunity to connect with someone. Until you can connect and find out a little more about them, what they're interested in, what they want to do. You don't know if you can help them. You don't know if your product aligns with what it is they want. And so therefore, every single conversation is a sales conversation until you know. And this is the, I guess, the authentic part of for salespeople who are authentic and have a level of integrity in what they do, which, you know, I would hopefully assume is, you know, all instructors. Um, When, you know, when people come to you, you have to ask the questions to know whether you can help them. And then there are times that you may go, actually, no, I need to refer you on to someone. And you're Integrity says this is beyond my scope and I need to, you know, refer you on. And then you can build a pathway for them to come back. So the sales conversation might be a longer term one and you have them come back. I, I, ju- I think, yeah, it, essentially it's you're just starting all conversations as an opportunity to have a sales conversation and, and then you work out where your product falls in what it is they're interested in doing.
0: All right, I want to um ask a provocative question here. I don't think it's going to be provocative, provocative to you, but <laughs> I think it's going to be provocative to I've known some of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um so you talked about integrity um and I think there, you know, the the definition I I guess most people would have about integrity when it comes to selling is like or well, a lack of integrity would be selling someone that's not going to help them. Right, so you sell someone something they basically don't need, or something that that won't solve the problem they're trying to sell, just because you want to sell the thing. So yep. your needs come before the customer's needs, right? So I think you know most of us would agree that's that's an example of a lack of integrity. Whereas integrity would be something you sell someone something that will solve their problem, <laughs> you know that they that they came to you for help for. Um, uh, but I think there's another invisible sort of end of that spectrum. And I think most Pilates instructors probably sit at the other end, right? And which I would I would frame as a lack of integrity, which is failing to sell someone something that would have helped them and solve their problem. Like if I come to you and say, Kylie, my back's fucking killing me. I'm feeling stressed. I'm stiff. I'm yelling at my kids every night because I'm cranky. You know, if only there was something that would help me with that. And you're like, oh, well... I'm feeling like I'm just indulging in sort of imposter syndrome, so I'm not going to, you know, recommend. I'm
1: not going to tell you I can help you. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, right. Because <laughs> what if and, I
1: can't? Oh, my God.
0: And then I walk out having not bought anything and I just go home and yell at my kids and feel shit for the next yep. six years. Right. Like, is that a lack of integrity?
1: Yes. It comes from – it. absolutely, it comes from a different place. Um, and it comes from – their own inability to value what they do um, Mm -hmm. or their own inability to understand what they do and know where their skill and scope lies. I think Mm -hmm. to have integrity in what you do as an instructor, you need to know who are the people that you can help and equally who are the people that are beyond your level of skill, and that's okay to go, actually, you know what, I think you should go and get this checked out by a doctor. There's a few red flags here for me. I'd love to work with you, but in order to work with you safely, I want you to come back after you've had that check, and then let's talk about it, right? Yeah. And when you take that approach with your clients, you can guarantee they're going to come back to you because you just built a level of trust with them. Yeah. In, in saying, you know what, I want to help you, but actually I'm not sure right now I have the ability to do that. I want you to check this, this, and this. Mm. They will come back to you. And even if their doctor says, actually, no, you can't do Pilates for a while, you bet they're probably going to refer their friends to yeah. you or tell – when someone says, hey, do you know a good instructor? They'll go, actually, I worked with this person They couldn't help me because I needed to see a specialist, but they were really honest about that. And people Mm. love honesty, right? Like why would you not?
0: Mm. Mm. I agree. So, you know, about the answer to the provocative question that, you know, the lack of integrity that is selling somebody something that you know they don't need, okay, that just comes from basically a place of greed and putting self above, you know, your own welfare above the welfare of the client, uh, whereas failing to sell them something that you know would help them, it comes from a, it doesn't c- come from a place of greed. It comes from a place of still though focus on self over the client, but this time it's focusing on your own feelings of unworthiness or fear or anxiety or imposter syndrome, or whatever it might be. And it's putting that above the welfare of the client. And it's, it's still thinking like, okay, well, because I feel unworthy, I'm not going to, I'm not going to help you. You know, and to me, I—I I, I mean, I am a hundred percent, you know, aware that it doesn't come that it, that it, that it, you know, that everybody in this industry is in this industry because they want to help people. You know, we all genuinely care, and we all want to help. And if you're listening, you're probably above average in this industry in wanting to help people. Um, so the intentions are pure, but it's just—it's a level. I just think it's a level of focusing on your own kind of inner turmoil, you know, above the actual welfare of the client.
1: Mm. And I think, too, sometimes for people that comes not from a place of, you know, not wanting to be able to provide them the service but not feeling like they can or not feeling – They don't know how to. And I think, Mm -hmm. again, it always comes back to know your value, know what it is you do in detail, right? Because then – and also, you know, look, it comes in this industry. It comes from a lot of instructors are still trained around repertoire and it's what exercises did we give them. As opposed to the very, very simple basic structure of get your clients moving, right? Because you know what? You don't need to know all of the information to actually Mm. be able to sit comfortably in knowing I can help you when fundamentally all you have to do is get them moving, Right. right? Like to start with, that's the starting point. And that's the, I think for a lot of people that can be where the disconnect comes from, you know, it's easy to resolve, but they have to recognize that they're thinking the solution is way more complicated than what it actually is.
0: Right. Um, All right. And so I think that's a perfect place to segue into the conversation about, well, what is your product? And I think this is, you know, I agree with you because we talked about this off air, that this is the other big, you know, ginormous 200 pound gorilla elephant, in the room. Yeah, <laughs> elephant. Yeah, exactly. A 200 pound gorilla elephant. Um, that uh, basically, and that is the belief that what you're selling, your product, is Pilates, uh, which is not true, folks. It's not true. That's not what you're selling. So, so set this up for us, Kylie. Why is that well, not true?
1: <laughs> well, I think it's not true. You know, Pilates is a modality we use to get people moving, but what we sell and, and this you know, the problems that people come with are my back hurts. I'm tired. I'm stressed. I want to lose weight. I want to gain weight. I want to like whatever their issues are physically, emotional, or otherwise. And that's what we're resolving. Right. And, and it could be that people come to class because that creates their time out. That's the value for them. Whether you do 50 exercises on a reformer or three exercises on a reformer is irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. They come because it gives them 45 minutes of me time, and I don't need to listen to the four kids at home screaming, and I've got emails and jobs and all the other things. And so I think from that regard, you get to, you know, when you know what it is they come for. You get to give them that, you know, for the person that wants to work hard, you can work them hard if that's what they want to do. For the person that comes for pain, you can help them with that. For the person that comes because they just are busy and that's their time out, it's like you get to connect with them and, you know, even the, hey, how you doing, you look a little stressed today, like I'm glad you're here. This is going to be a great session for you. And you can incorporate things into your Pilates class that actually build relevance for them because that's what makes them want to come back. That's what makes them love your session. They don't care what exercise you do, right? As long as they feel good about their session and they feel like they're achieving something in their session, but you need to know what they set out to achieve in order to be able to meet that and and actually deliver on you know the outcome that they're wanting to achieve how do you do it if you don't know what it is
0: right all right so I, I think uh i believe that you know basically everybody who's listening to this does you know connect with their clients and and you know ask them about how their kids are and remember their dog's name and notice when they're stressed and all of that stuff so yep. that i mean that's and that is you know that's amazing that's you're doing like 99% of the of the work you're selling. There. <laughs> right um but i th- i think you know where where and i've talked to a shit ton of people about this in the pilates world and they all seem to have the same same um, misunderstanding about this is that but surely those clients that are coming to me for a pilates class surely they're coming for pilates right they love pilates that's why they're coming you know like isn't that not that it like they're buying pilates they bought a, they bought a 10 pack of pilates like isn't aren't they buying pilates
1: well I mean, they're buying an experience, right? And yes, part of that experience is Pilates. And, you know, do some people like going to Pilates as opposed to going to the gym? Sure, right? And it's ultimately you're just working with the people based on what kind of experience that they want to have. And sometimes, yes, it is. Pilates is a modality. But that's not, that's often not why they come, right? It's part, it's a piece of the pie. It's not the whole pie. And I think that's where instructors, the more they can understand what I give my clients, and yes, part of it is Pilates, but it is only part of it. And what else I give them is connection and they feel good and they feel like, you know, they come to you because they see you as being the pathway to the goal they want to achieve and currently they don't know how to get there without you and that's what you provide. It's the steps in between. It's the how you break that down and that may be, yeah, we do three classes a week and I want you to do this and I want you to, you know, do all of these things And that's the, that's the pathway, but it's, it's your guidance, it's your connection and it's your motivation, right? If I don't book into class, I don't do it. Like there's a thousand Pilates classes on YouTube, but people still come to classes and people still want to have a live connection with an instructor, whether that's in a studio or in an online virtual studio, they still come for a live connection, Right, it's a person, and we're humans. We crave connection, right? That's that's the basis of it all.
0: So, all right, I, I think this is such an important point, and it just—I really want to tease it out more because I think we there, there's more to it. That, all right, people love Pilates. All right, there are people that come to you and say, "Gee, I just love Pilates with you," but when often, all right? So, there's two things there. The the, often the reason you start and the reason you continue are not the same reason.
1: Absolutely. And
0: so, if there's, if there's, you know, you know, a million people out there at home who are your potential future clients, you know, they're not sitting on their sofa thinking, "Gee, I really want to do some Pilates." They're not thinking that. They're not. They're not thinking that. They're thinking, "My fucking back hurts." They're thinking, "I'm." feel shit. They're thinking, I don't like the way I look. They're thinking, I'm feeling stressed. (laughs) They've got problems, right? And then they see someone doing Pilates or they hear of a friend who did Pilates and they think, ah, maybe Pilates is a solution to my problems. Maybe Pilates would fix that.
1: Well, often it's because that's validated by their friends or the things they see because Mm. people go, I felt so much better after my Pilates class. I feel better when I'm exercising. Well, hello not rocket science right you're right. moving your body's designed to do that it but, works but it,
0: but it's not inherent it's not inherently pilates that they want to do no. it's they don't want to have a sore back anymore they don't want to be cranky anymore they don't want to feel stiff anymore they don't want to not like the way they look anymore like they you know if they could take a fucking pill to achieve those things they would right absolutely <laughs> and a lot of people do <laughs> like they people get surgery and take you know like The antidepressants and all kinds of things you know because it's easier right you know it's the easy solution and bam so so it's people aren't out there going gee I wish you know if I knew there was Pilates in my life no they're thinking if only I didn't have a fucking sore back or if only I you know could do a pull my jeans were too (laughs) tight right exactly and then they for some reason you know through personal experience or a friend's recommendation or what they saw on you know Mari Windsor doing infomercial in the 1980s or whatever it was they think, ah, Pilates is the answer. Pilates could solve my problems, right? So that's when they come to you and they see Pilates as a potential solution to their problem. But Pilates is not what they want. They want to solve their problem. Like when when you know, when you go to the dentist, not you, Kylie, because again, you know, preaching to the choir here, but but you know, listener, when you go to the dentist, you know, do you think you're just sitting at home thinking, gee, I really need some composite resin in my mouth, you know? Could really do with some more composite resin, you know. No, you think like, my fucking oh, tooth hurts? The tooth hurts, <laughs> right? I want my tooth to stop hurting. And the dentist going to the dentist is a necessary evil, you know, that you put up with in order to not have a sore tooth. And for right? most people, it's not a joyful occasion either. <laughs> right, and if you find a dentist that can make it less unpleasant. That is a real selling point for that dentist, right? But you don't, even for the best dentist in the world who makes it, you know, he's got fun, they've got like pictures of clouds on the ceiling, they play classical music, they give you a lollipop after all of the things, right? <laughs> Are
1: You're you not 9 not
0: going because you love the experience, right? You're going because you want the result and they made it less painful to get the result, yep. right? And, you know, same with Pilates. Now, after people go to Pilates three times a week for five years, they might, come to actually love the experience and become addicted to the experience, and that's a different phenomenon. But you don't have to sell those people. (laughs) They're already sold.
1: But I'd also question, are they addicted? You know, you say addicted to the experience. Yeah, they are probably addicted to the experience, not the Pilates exercises. The Pilates exercises are, again, still part of the experience, and they're addicted. Addicted is probably the wrong word, but they enjoy – the experience of the the sessions, they also enjoy the experience of the results that they got, whether that's my back hurts less, my jeans fit better, I'm not as tired, I feel less stressed, whatever their driver is as the reason that they come to Pilates, as the Pilates practitioner or the salesperson, that's the key, right? That is are fundamentally the key to all of your conversations, because if you know why they want to come and what problem they have and how they want to resolve it,
0: then you just give them the solution to that. Mm. And let's put the boot on the other foot here. And just for you, a listener, you know, if as a Pilates instructor, okay, I'm assuming that you fucking love Pilates, right? You're, you know, <laughs> you've chosen this One as your hopes. career. <laughs> you know, you do it all day. Right. So, you know, you're on the reformer, that's your happy place, right? That's all Great. So, but just say, just imagine a world, let me wave and wand to create an evil alternate universe, okay? A dystopian world where Pilates didn't make you feel better, where Pilates didn't make you stronger, didn't make you more flexible, didn't help your back pain, didn't help your mental health, right? It's just hard fucking work, right? Would you still do it?
1: <laughs> if you didn't, so I guess it, you know, if you didn't get the results, most people know right why unless you have some dysfunctional punishing you know thing why would you right you even the hard work even the things where you go you know i take the horrible medicine i don't know if you've ever had olive leaf extract but it tastes horrible but if you're sick you take it right it helps you know you're still going Ugh. but you take it because you get the result and it's the same thing you know would i choose to drink it if it didn't make me feel any better when i got sick probably not no. <laughs> you know well pretty <laughs> positively not yeah you know you do you do the thing because it it gets you the the outcome. It gets a result right it gets a result and-
0: So even, I think, even for those of you listening who are like, no, I just love Pilates. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Yeah, I think you love how it makes you feel. I think you love the results you get from it. I think you love the experience you have when you connect with people through it, you know. And so it's it's about the result you're obtaining and the experience that goes along with that. It's not about the activity itself. So. Is your pro is your product composite resin, or is it not having a sore tooth? You know, is your product the hundreds, or is it being free of back pain? Is your product we have fully equipped studio, or is your product connection with like minded people? You know, I mean. Do you choose your dentist because of the equipment that they have? Do you do you know? I mean, do you care what brand of x-ray machine they use? Like, no, you don't give a fuck. You know, like, in the same way, the Most clients... Most people wouldn't
1: shit. know the difference.
0: They don't care. Your clients don't care if you've got grats equipment. I mean, it's nice for you. It's bloody nice equipment, right? But your clients don't give a rat's ass. And if your clients do give us a rat's ass, it's only because you've trained them <laughs> to give a rat's ass. So your product is not Pilates. So if you... If you're scrolling through social media and you see an ad for a dentist saying, "Come and get some composite resin," you know the twelve benefits of using composite resin. It's like you don't give a fuck. That's not that's not attractive, right? But if you've got a sore tooth and you're scrolling through through Instagram and you see an ad that says, "Got a sore tooth? We can you can be pain free in the next two hours by clicking on this ad," you'll be like, "Oh, that sounds interesting. (laughs) I'm gonna do that." (laughs) Right. So, and that is not talking about being a dentist or selling the benefits of dentistry. It's talking about the problem that you solve, having a sore tooth, that's the problem you solve if you're a dentist. If you're a Pilates instructor, what problem do you solve for people? What problem do you solve? Shit loads of problems. We solve heaps of problems for heaps of different people. We solve back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain. We solve like aching joints. We solve low energy. We solve feeling stressed. We solve monkey mind. We solve you know, like being unhappy with your body, how it works, how it looks. We solve, you know, not being strong. We solve feeling stiff. We, you know, like we solve not being able to play with your grandkids because you can't get down onto the floor and back up again. Like we solve all of these things, right? And many more, right? Talk about those things. That's your product. Ask the question. (laughs) Ask the question,
1: right? Because if you don't know that their priority is they can't get down on the floor with their grandkids and they just say, well, I'm looking at your five pack, right? Why are you looking at the five pack? What does that give you? Right? Like, oh, I want to be able to do Pilates cause I want to be able to pick up my grandkids. Oh, tell me about your grandkids. Right? Yeah. Like that's just a connection, but they are sold because you're like, absolutely. This will help you pick up your grandkids, you know? And, and, and so they do it and then they get the results and then that is self-fulfilling. So they keep coming back so then every month they're like, "Yeah, I need to get another one of those 10 packs because oh my god, I'm loving all this time with my grandkids." They didn't care that, you know, you were selling them a, a Pilates 10 pack. They just their concern was now I get to play with my grandkids.
0: Right. And so if if I walk into your studio and I say how much is your 5 pack or how much is your how much is a one-on-one or whatever, how much is a casual session and you just go, "Odds oh, this much and then sell me one right you've done a total disservice to me whereas if you say well like why are you tell me why you're interested and i say oh well you know my back's been killing me and you say well so you know how you know what effect is it? how's that affecting you and you're like oh, well, i'm like oh well i can't play with my grandkids and i was on the weekend i was at my daughter's house and she asked me to pick up her little girl and i couldn't and that felt terrible and i want to be a good grandmother and la da 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 and then you know Kylie understands what my actual problem is that I'm trying to solve, right? And a fucking casual session is not going to solve that.
1: No. And and also, I think too, most instructors want to provide the appropriate support for their clients. And in order to successfully do that, you have to put them in the appropriate classes. And for someone that comes completely debilitated having them in a high intensity class is not the right solution for them and so yes you may need to have a sales conversation around i want you to do a couple of one to one sessions first i think this will really help you then we can write a program then we can put you in some small group sessions and eventually if you know if you understand those if you understand the tension between their finances and their result And you can have a really transparent, honest conversation around that of, okay, I understand you can't afford one-to-ones every week. Let's build a pathway that you can do a couple of one-to-ones, then some small groups, that's more cost-effective, and then we'll get you to group classes if that's where they want to be. But for you to start them there when they come in and they can't walk, what kind of experience is that giving them? They're not going to come back because they're going to end up saw feeling unfulfilled, feeling worse than when they came in because you've created an environment for them. You've created the environment for them where they can't achieve a result because you didn't set it up because you didn't want to ask them to do a one-on-one session when a one-on-one session was the solution in that particular scenario. It's not for everyone, but it is in that scenario if they can't do those sessions. But if you don't ask, you don't
0: know. All right. So I want to I talk about, you know, probably the last thing we've got time to talk about, which is the mindset of order taker versus problem solver. And by which I mean that, you know, when the client comes in or p- prospect comes in, you know, and says, oh, how much is a casual class? And you say, it's this much. And then you sell them a casual class. Um, whereas, Can I just
1: jump in there and say, yeah? don't ever just give your prices. I have absolutely no concern in talking price with someone, but if you haven't understood their problem, a price is just a price, right? right. There is no value to that cost because they don't know what they are getting out of it. So, I could tell you it's a dollar or I could tell you it's a thousand dollars, But if I've already had a conversation with you and you know that this is the solution and you can afford the $1,000 surgery and that's going to fix your back versus the $1 walk down the street, right, people pay what they pay if the value is understood by them and it's relevant enough to be worth that amount, right? right. So, with no context, it's just a monetary amount.
0: Right. So if we if we take uh, so and that's what I mean by order taker versus, uh, um, what do I say? Solution provider or something. I probably had a better term for it a minute ago. Problem solver. Mind. Problem solver. That's the one. Um, so you know the order taker mentality. What I mean by that is like the client, you know, tells you what they need right? Oh, I need a casual class, you know, I want to buy a five pack, whatever, right? And so you just go, okay, great. You know, that's this much and there's your five pack. Um, and that that is analogous to, you know, you, if assuming that you're listening to this, that you don't know a lot about how cars work, right? Um, that you take your car to the mechanic because it's making a funny noise and you say, oh, I'll put a new fuse in it, right? How much is a new fuse, right? And you don't know fucking what's wrong with the car, right? You've got no clue. might be the gearbox. It might be the motor. It might be the wheels. I'll take might be the, the brakes. cheapest fuse. <laughs> right. And, and so if the mechanic just sold you a fuse, right, is that good service? No, that's terrible service, right? What you want the mechanic to do is go, oh, I got it. Well, how, do, how come you need – how do you think – why do you think you need a fuse? I was making this funny noise when I drive around a corner. It huh, doesn't sound like a fuse to me. You know, let's look under the bonnet and see what – oh, it's not a fuse. You'd need a blah, blah, blah machine. The engine's fallen right? out. Right. Yeah, diff's fallen out. <laughs> Um, so like you want the mechanic to diagnose the problem and sell you the correct solution to that problem because they are the expert on how the fucking car works, right? Not you, right? If you knew, if you knew how to fix it, you would have already fixed it probably, right? So when you walk in and say, "I'd, oh, how much is a fuse or how much is it to fix the wheel or what it's like, you don't know what the fuck you want, right? And in the same way, when the client comes to you, they don't know what the solution is. If they knew what the solution was, they wouldn't There'd have the problem anymore. There. they they, they don't know right so when they say how much is a five pack the correct answer is why are you interested in doing pilates right that's the answer to how much is a five pack
1: or why are you interested in a five pack right because that in itself if they're looking at just five sessions why are they looking at just five sessions do they have a problem they think can be resolved in five sessions or is that a monetary, I can only afford five sessions right now and I need to see whether or not this is going to solve my problem so that I can buy the next five pack if that is the solution. But if you don't ask the question,
0: you don't know. And a five pack might not be the best solution for that person. It might no. be a one-on-one, right? Or it might be whatever, right? So so just selling them a five pack is a totally lame, you know, cop out basically. You're, just, you're letting them tell you how to how to do you know your job right? So your your job is to advise and guide them on how to achieve their result through Pilates, right? And how can you do that if you don't know what they want to achieve? So if they just but walk in and say, "How much is a five pack?" Don't it's take It's like going
1: to the doctor for a Panadol, right, or a Paracetamol. You know, you go to them to understand why it is you're sick, and if they just give you a Panadol and say off you go, generally most people would be like. Well, I could have done that at home. Um, yeah, that's a significant if you're in the US. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> but but mostly, and, and I guess frame it to yourself like this. If you went to the doctor and they just gave you a Panadol and went home, right, they didn't listen to you. Mm. They didn't ask you any questions about why you came to the doctor and so you feel as the consumer not heard because you didn't get what you came for, which was a solution to your problem. You may not have said that, right? But I can guarantee you, if you leave your doctor's office without a solution to your problem, or at least an understanding of what the next steps are, you will feel they didn't listen to you. You feel unheard. Do you mm. want your Pilates clients to feel like that? If the answer is no, ask the questions.
0: Mm. And when you ask the questions, right, it's not just... the. Asking the questions is a crucial first step. So, how much is a five pack? The correct answer is, well, tell me why you're interested in purchasing a five pack, or tell, why you're interested in Pilates, or what brought you in today. Uh, and then, in, once you've once you've asked them a bunch of questions and discovered their reason, their deep reason for being there, not just like oh, I was curious, I was walking past and it's Like, well, what made you curious? You know, <laughs> um, how long have you been thinking about this? When did what triggered you to first start thinking about it? Um, What do you hope to achieve by working with me? How will life be different if we succeed by working together? So, you know, asking these questions to understand what it is that they're trying to solve for and then to actually design them the ideal solution, right? Just like you would hope that if you go to the doctor and describe your symptoms, the doctor will give you the best possible treatment. If you go to the mechanic and describe the funny noise your car is making, they will give you the best possible, you know, repair, okay? Your clients hope, your prospective clients would hope that if they come to you and describe their problem, you will give them the best possible solution to that problem, right? They don't want the solution that's going to half fix their back or sort of help them get a bit more energy, right? They want they want to solve that problem. And so if somebody comes in and describes a problem and you think, gee, this person really needs some, you know, three times a week, one-on-ones and, you know, for maybe six Weeks or whatever, and then maybe we could go to a small group or you know whatever you think is like. If that person did the perfect program, what would they do? You know, what would be the perfect program for that person? Don't don't take money out of it, right? If it was your sister, right, and you were doing it for free, you know what would you advise her to do? You know, advise your client to do that, right? Don't sell them like if that if you're thinking this person needs three times a week one on one, then they go. I was thinking of just coming casually. Like, Don't let them do it. <laughs> that's not the solution.
1: Well, again, I'd say ask them why they were thinking of coming casually because you may find that there is a price barrier there. Sometimes a price barrier is a real thing, right? People have a certain amount of money that they can allocate to it and that's a real problem And but sometimes it's not that's not actually the problem. The problem is that they don't yet see value in the sessions and so therefore any amount of money is too much money when they don't have value for it and they don't have a perception of what it's going to give them where you do the sessions, they get the result and I'm sure half of you have lots of clients where they'd pay whatever amount of money you charge because it changed their life right? It changed their world. It's worth so much more than what they pay for your sessions. But when you understand that and you can ask those questions, you know, it's okay to have a conversation about money with people because they've come to you to spend their money to buy a service. And you can't sell someone something if you don't have a conversation about money. And the more you do that, the more comfortable that becomes, it can it can feel awkward to begin with, right? But the more you do it, the easier that becomes. And the more you frame it in your own mind that you can't help them unless they pay their money. Like you can't, you genuinely can't. if you if they don't pay you to teach the class, you can't hire your studio space, you can't buy your reformers, you can't turn your electricity on, you can't pay your staff right? You can't do those things if they don't give you money to do those things. So, you can't, you genuinely can't help them. You'd be working in another job to pay your mm. food and, and bills, right? Like you actually just can't help them. And I think the more people get comfortable with that, that you are providing a service, you are wanting to genuinely help them then it's easy to have a conversation about money and then you find the solution that is right for your client
0: and and i would say that um you know when you're talking when you're talking about money if there's a you know if, if there's a genuine uh you know financial obstacle there for people it's like you still got to sell them the solution that's going to solve their problem right mm. So, if I've got debilitating back pain that I've had for a decade and I'm hobbling in all bent over and, and I want to come casually once every couple of weeks, it's like, dude, that is not going to solve the problem. Right. And if I genuinely can't afford to do more than that, well, you can get creative. Like, say, look, you're going to, how about we do a one on one? Okay. I'll write your home program. You do your home program four times a week. It's only going to be a 10 minute program. We'll get you confident doing it in the first session. I'll watch you do it. I'll give you a little video of how to do it, all of that. Okay. And you do a one-on-one once every month or once every two months or whatever you can afford, right? And I'll come and I'll update your program and correct your technique and all the rest of it. That's way better than you just dropping into a fucking casual class once every two or three weeks when you feel like it. And it's like, you know, let's sell you a solution that's going to solve the problem, right? And then get creative on how we can price that. And when I say get creative on the price, I don't mean give them the same service at a tenth of the price. I mean, give them less service at a lower price, right? Give them a one-on-one once every six weeks instead of a one-on-one every, every week, right? Or every second day. Or a different service. Yeah. Yeah, Give them a different, give them a, give them a group class if it's appropriate, but give them some, you know, give them less, uh, you know, something that costs you less, you know, so that you can sell it to them for less and still make a profit on it.
1: Or ask them whether there is another way around that. Often when you talk to people, They, when they see value in their sessions, and I've had clients that I've spoken to over the years with the same, you know, they can't really afford their one-on-one sessions, but actually they go, you know what, this changed my life. I know I need to do this. I just don't go out every Friday night now, or I don't get takeaway on, I get it once a fortnight instead of once a week, and I don't buy a coffee in the morning. I bring one from home. And they adjust their finances in other ways because their session is of value to them and that's the you know that's the piece that is often missing if you don't know the value of what you provide and if your client doesn't yet understand the value then that's the part of your job you need to work on is building the value for them because then they will buy at whatever price you know, that within reason that they can afford. But if they really understand the value of what they get out of that session, then they will make that happen in a way that works for everyone.
0: Yeah. Amen. So uh, in, in uh, conclusion, sales is not icky. Sales is service. And you can't help somebody through Pilates unless they buy Pilates from you so sales is in fact literally the first step in helping that person because if you don't sell them the sessions they don't get the result the next thing is that your product ain't pilates it's not composite rosin either resin either. it's uh
1: Sell
0: them Maui. <laughs> yeah, sell them, sell them, sell them the vacation. Don't sell them the plane trip and the TSA lines. Sell them the destination that they want to hit, which is you know pain free, loving life, playing with their grandkids, you know, whatever whatever this whatever their particular thing is. Uh, and that uh, you know, f- if you want to be of service, which I know you do because you listen to this, that you know, failing to sell someone something that could genuinely help them is not being of service, right? Be of service. You have these amazing skills. You can genuinely change lives. And if you withhold that from people through like false modesty and imposter syndrome, that's doing them a disservice and it's doing yourself a disservice as well because you're missing out on money and you're missing out on the validation of going, fuck, I really made a difference to that person. Um, and uh, don't just sell them the cheapest thing. Sell them the thing that's going to solve their problem, right? They didn't come to you for a fuse. They came to you for their car to work, right? They don't give a fuck about the fuse, right? They just want their car to work. So they just asked for the – I mean, w- when I was 19 and way more foolish than I am now, I went and got a tattoo and um, I was so shitting myself. I didn't know what tattoo I was going to get. I was like, oh, I'm 19 i'm gonna get a tattoo you know um uh and i went into the tattoo and the guy said like what do you want and i looked around and i was like i looked at the found the smallest one i could see and i was like i'll take that one <laughs> i just got the smallest one <laughs> um and it's like that was such a silly decision you know um don't ever get a tattoo in the spur of the moment people <laughs> but um <laughs> like don't just sell them the cheapest thing right sell them something you know if that guy had said to me it's like instead of like which one do you want i want that one great okay get in the chair if he'd said, like well what are you looking for you know why do you, why you, want, do a you want a tattoo you know he could have sold me a fucking full back job you know <laughs> like, but he just sold me this little 25 dollar little eagle thing on on my shoulder which later i got covered over with a full sleeve <laughs> so um but Yeah, don't just sell them the cheapest thing. Don't sell them the thing they come in asking a casual class a five-pack or 10-pack. Don't just sell them that. Ask them why they want it. Understand what their problem is and then sell them a solution that will solve that problem. And if they can't afford your solution, give them a lower price point solution that still solves a problem that is less expensive for you to deliver so you still make a profit. Don't just say, okay, I'll do the same thing but for half the price i will give you half the sessions for a bit more than half the price.
1: And educate your clients on the value of what you do and how, you know, yes, you want to help them and this is the best pathway for them, you know, and you to be able to work together. And if that's not going to work, then there is another pathway and you are providing a solution for that. Will it work as well? No, probably not. But if it's what they can afford and it still gives them you know, a type of solution, it might not be the ideal scenario, but if they can't afford the ideal scenario of coming to privates and doing all of the things, then you give them a solution that meets their needs, but also don't be shy in explaining to them that, you know, this only works if they commit to it. If you're going to give them a home mm. program, that's awesome, but the home program doesn't do anything if they don't mm. do it, right? And why do people come to you as an instructor? Oh, because you motivate them because they don't do it at home, right? So don't be surprised. Just sticking it on my fridge
0: won't won't fix my back.
1: No. (laughs) Your shoulder rehab doesn't work like that.
0: Damn it. That's why it's not working. Okay. Um, Yeah. And I think, uh, and that's, we'll have another conversation about the skills. And the techniques of selling, and one of those things would be the options close, which is you know pretty much my favourite close of all time, which is where you, instead of saying do you want to buy this or not, you say would you like to buy this version or this version, um, and that's where we might say to somebody, well, you know, we understand your problem, we understand what you're trying to achieve. And, you know, what you really need to do is, you know, have a customized program and we need to have you working out three plus times a week. And so we could do that by doing one-on-ones three times a week. And the benefits of that would be this. And the drawbacks would be, it's eh, it's kind of pricey. And that, or we could have you, you know, doing a small group, you know, maybe four on one. And the benefits would be there's community and it's lower cost. And the drawbacks would be it's less customized, you get less personal attention, you know, and you it's less flexible in terms of the timings. So, you know, knowing yourself. Or the third option would be we do a one-on-one once a month and you'd do a home program, right? I'll write you the home program whatever. And the advantage of that is it's super inexpensive and the disadvantage is while well, you get basically you've got it sitting at home, your program's on the fridge, you know, there's Netflix, you know, you're thinking program Netflix, program Netflix, you know. Can I
1: stop you there? Don't go too many options. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already lost with I can't decide.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, and yeah, so you give people, uh, you know, options that are going to achieve the same result, but maybe one's going to be slower, right? One's going to be faster, you know, one's going to be more work, one's going to be less work, but basically they all achieve the same result, right? Not just like, oh, would you like to do one-on-ones or casual, you know, because they don't know. They just want the cheapest thing, but they don't actually want the cheapest thing. They want the solution to their problem.
1: And I think always just you know, be honest with your clients and let them make the decision. One of the key things for me as, you know, I'm quite happy to say I'm a salesperson, right? I love what I do. I do what I do because I like to help people. But do I sell? abso fucking right? (laughs) Without doubt. But it it is a scenario of my job, is understanding what people want, and I provide them the pathway to get there. I don't tell them which one they should do. Yeah. Right? I don't go, you know, oh, well, I think you should do da 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 da, and this is the only option or there's no option. It's like, okay, you understand what they want, and then you show them the way to get there. And mm. then you ask the question around great. Is it this one or is it this one? Mm. Which one do you feel more aligned with? Which one do you think is going to work better for you? Because in that conversation, your real objections will come up. Oh, well, I'd love to do one-on-ones, but I really can't afford that. Okay, so then we might options close on two different two different Mm. options because you've ruled that one out because they actually can't afford that, and it Mm. gives you it gives you scope to take the conversation to it's not just a one or nothing it's a well if this doesn't work okay well let's try another solution what about this one mm. okay that doesn't work what about this one right and it's it's an engaging conversation it's not just how much is your five pass and okay and they walk out because you didn't even ask the question and they just went oh that's a lot of money i can't afford that
0: mm. Mm. It's being of service and it's not forcing things upon people that they don't want. It's showing them how to solve their problem and giving them options about whether, you know, they want to proceed this way or that way. Um, and they, you never, never get the option to force people to do anything they don't want anyway. Um, you're just basically showing how you can be of service.
1: Yep. And trust that they will do that. Like, they want the solution. So trust that if you've shown them the way, they will... They will do that and they will show you the signs that, you know, you work through with them.
0: Mm. Let's have another chat about uh, how to actually. Do that. Go, Yeah, how to do that. We can do a role play.
1: <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs>
0: yeah. Good talk, Kylie. Thanks. It was great.